You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. I'm going to go right into the word of the Lord tonight because here's, I, I have been, um, I have been, I've been warned that we're not missing the countdown this year because I've preached right through the countdown several times. It's my 10th time doing this here at Living Hope and I always preach through the countdown. So this is what I need. Um, what I need is at, if I'm not done preaching by 11.55, yeah. 11.55, my wife is just going to stand up and just start glorifying God. <laughs> She's just going to start worshiping. And, um, and everybody, when she stands up and starts worshiping, everybody just stand up and start worshiping. Okay? If I'm not done. So that's what's going to keep me accountable. All right? All right. Good to see you here tonight. God bless you. Bringing 2013 to a close. How many know that God has been good in 2013? God has been good all the time. And as I mentioned, we've seen the works of God in 2013, both overseas and at home. We've seen some of the most powerful missions work in the history of our church in 2013. Some of the most powerful miracles that we've ever seen on the other side of the world in 2013. But we've also seen some of the most powerful works of God right here in the house, at our altars, in the seats, right here in 2013. We've seen lives put back together again in 2013. We've seen marriages restored in 2013. We've seen broken families put back together again in 2013. And not only that, but we have seen the sons and daughters of Living Hope Christian Center rise to new levels of power and authority in their kingdom destiny. We've seen individuals come to grips with their destiny and understand the call of God upon their lives. And I believe that in 2014, we're going to see greater things. I want to announce to you the theme for the year 2014. The theme... For the year 2014 is back to the blessing. Back to the blessing. Look at your neighbor and say, back to the blessing. Back to the blessing. It's time to go back to the blessing. It's time for us to go back to the blessing. And I, I, by the end of this message, you'll understand where I'm going. I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. And those of you that are quick to the draw, you can put a finger in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Uh, but if you don't have your Bibles, don't worry about it. I will read it for you. Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. And make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. First Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Let's pray. Father, I pray tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus that you would bring a release 
of wisdom and revelation. Lord, you said that if we cry out after knowledge and lift up our voices for understanding, you said that if we would seek them as silver and search for them as for hidden treasures, then we would know the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And Father, tonight we cry out after knowledge. Tonight we lift up our voices for understanding. We seek them as silver and we search for them as for hidden treasures. And God, I pray that we would understand the fear of the Lord. And find the knowledge of God. God, you are leading us somewhere. And I pray that we would be sensitive. That we would be a discerning people. That we would follow the lead of the glory of the Lord. That you would lead us into the promised land. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Back to the blessing. When God called Abraham, blessing was at the heart of that call. Blessing was the destination and the purpose of that call. If you look at Genesis chapter 12 and you see the promise that God made to Abraham, you see the word blessing all over that promise. He says, get up out of your father's house and go to the place I'll show you and I will bless you and I will make you a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and in you all the families of the world will be blessed. Blessing, bless, bless, blessing, bless, bless. Blessing, bless. God said, Abraham, get up out of your father's house and go to the place that I'll show you. And blessing, bless, bless, blessing, bless, bless, bless. I will bless you. I will bless you. Abraham, you are going not just to the land of promise, and we call it the promised land, and it is the promised land, and we call it the holy land, and it is the holy land, but we forget why it is the promised land. We know it's the promised land, but we don't know what is promised in the promised land. See, we can speak of the promises till we're blue in the face, but if we don't know the content of the promises, then the word promise is nothing but an empty husk of a word, and God wants to give us the the substance of the, the promise. And the substance of the promise is blessing. Abraham, get up and go. And when you get there, blessing, bless, bless, blessing, bless, bless. I will bless you. Abram, I'm going to bless you, but there is a certain prerequisite to the blessing. I'm going to bless you, but only within a particular context, only within a particular locale. I will bless you, but not till you get up out of your father's house and go to the place I'll show you. I'm not going to bless you. See, Abraham was born in a place called Ur of the Chaldees, which later became known as Babylon. And his father determined that he wanted to move to the land of Canaan, but they only made as far as a city called Haran. And it just so happened that Abraham had a brother named Haran who died on the journey. And when they got to Haran, his father said, this place sounds familiar. Let's camp out here. And a lot of believers in Jesus Christ never make it to Canaan's land because they're camped out in a land that sounds familiar, in a place that feels familiar. And and God said to Abraham, I want to give you the blessing, but you got to get up out of that familiar land, out of the land that's named after your family and your heritage and I'm going to take you to the place where I will be your family and I will be your heritage. Abraham, get up and go. The blessing won't come upon you in Ur of the Chaldees. It won't come upon you in the land called Haran. It will only come upon you in the place that I will show you. See, there's a lot of believers in Jesus Christ that are living in Ur of the Chaldees and and praying and believing God for a blessing. 
A lot of non-believers that are living in Haran and believing God for a blessing. A lot of folks won't walk with him, but sure will tout the blessing. Oh, God is blessing me. Oh, God is blessed. You've got to be living in Canaan's land if you're going to live in the blessing. Abram, I'll bless you, but first you've got to go to the place that I'll show you. The blessing is not unconditional. It is conditional. The blessing is not non-negotiable. The blessing is not negotiable. It is non-negotiable. This is a non- this, there's no negotiation around this Abraham. You've got to be in the place that I've commanded you to be if you're going to get what I've promised to give you. Come on, somebody. The blessing resides in the land of blessing and you only get it if you live in the land. And so Abram had to get up and go to the land. I like the way God said it. He said, get up out of your father's house. God got a little ghetto with Abraham. Get up out of there. Boy, you better get up out your father's house and go to the place that I'll show you. Get up and go. Get up and go. Nothing happens until you get up and go. You got to get going if you're going to get something. And so many of us are waiting to get something before we get going. But God does not give you something until you get going. Get up and go. A job isn't going to fall into your lap. You got to get up and go look for one. An education's not going to fall out of a book and into your head. You got to get up and go to class. Get up and go. You got to go do something. I remember when I was in high school and I was in the ninth grade and I wanted to get a Raiders parka and a Raiders hat. And my mother said, you ain't getting no Raiders jacket and you ain't getting no Raiders hat because my son ain't going to get shot over no jacket or no hat. See, back then they were killing people for Raiders paraphernalia. It was that serious. Killing people for a jacket and a hat. And I said, come on, mom. She said, no, my son is not going to die in the streets. And I was telling my friends the next day, I said, man, my mom won't let me get a Raiders hat or jacket because she's afraid I'm going to get shot. And one of my buddies, the most ghetto, thuggish, gangstified guy I knew, he said, you're not going to get shot. You can wear whatever you want. I said, what are you talking about? He said, you don't go to parties. You don't go to clubs. You're not out after curfew. He said, you got to be somewhere for something to happen to you. They're not shooting nobody in the suburbs over that stuff. They only shoot people after the streetlights go down. And in certain neighborhoods, you never go to those neighborhoods. you got to be somewhere for something to happen to you. you. And it's the same thing in the positive. If you want the blessing to happen to you, you got to be in the land of blessing. you got to be in the place where blessing happens if you want the blessing to happen to you. You hearing me tonight? So Abram had to get up. And had to go. That was step one. Getting up and going into the land is always step one. But don't think that the moment you make it into the land, it's smooth sailing from there. Because the moment you arrive at the land of blessing, every power in hell sets its, sets its sights on driving you out of the land. The moment Abram got to the land, the devil began to try to force him out of the land. Why? Because he knew that if Abram resided in the land, there was no power in hell that could stop God from blessing him with many blessings. There was no power in hell that could stop stop God from bringing to pass every promise that he had made to Abram. But he knew that if he could separate him from the land of promise, he could separate him from the blessing. See, there's a lot of folks wondering why the blessing of God has ceased to flow through their lives is because you've moved out of the promised land. And when you moved out of the promised land, you move out of the blessing. And, but what you don't realize is if you would just go back to the promised land, you'll make your way back into the blessing. And so before Genesis chapter 12 ends, Abram decides to depart from the land of blessing during a time of famine. You got to hear me on this. 
famine. Isn't it interesting that God promised him blessing and blessing is typified in abundance. But in the land of abundance, he is experiencing famine. It don't make sense to experience famine in the land of abundance. He's experiencing contradiction. And if you've been walking with God for very long at all, you're going to experience contradiction. You're going to experience contradiction at places where you believe God was going to answer your prayer and he didn't answer your prayer. You're going to experience contradiction where you believe God opened the door. You went through it and got slapped in the face. You're going to experience contradiction when you build up something. And just when you put the last brick on it all crumbles and falls apart. You're going to experience contradiction when it seems like God hoists you up to the top of the tree. But as soon as you get there, someone chops the tree down. You don't have to walk with God very long to encounter contradiction. But what you do in the moment of contradiction will determine the nature of your destiny. Because if you continue to reside in the land of blessing during times of contradiction, if you continue to declare, I know it, I don't look blessed right now, but God said I'm blessed. And so I'm blessed. Even if you continue to declare, I know it doesn't look like I have enough, but God says I have enough. And so I have enough. If you continue to live in that land, nothing can stop you from inheriting the blessing. But Abram made a decision before the first chapter of promise was over. The first chapter of him answering the call of God, Genesis 12, before that chapter ended, he decided I'm going to go down to Egypt and get me some provision. And let me tell you something. Provision is no substitute for blessing. See, the thing, you got to understand something about Egypt. Egypt in the Bible is a land that always begins as a place of provision, but ends as a place of bondage. And you got to understand that there's a distinction between provision and blessing. See, provision is when you have just enough just for you. Provision is when God gives you enough to be broke by the end of the month. That's provision. (laughs) Provision is when you needed $837 to pay your bills and you get a check in the mail for $837. And I hear people testifying all the time, I got blessed. I needed $837 to pay my bills. And somebody walked up on the street and handed me a check for $837. Hallelujah. And I just want to say, sit down because you didn't tithe and you didn't bless nobody. Don't tell me that was a blessing. That was a provision. God gave you just enough to be broke. And that's all you get in the land of Egypt is provision. So often when we testify a blessing, it doesn't have anything to do with blessing. We think it's a blessing when somebody gives us something for nothing. We think it's a blessing when we get something for free. We think it's a blessing when when we're supposed to pay a bill, but the company says you don't have to pay that bill. We think it's a blessing. It's a blessing when we get something for nothing. But let me tell you something. Blessing goes far beyond provision. Provision is just enough. And yes, God has promised to give us every day our daily bread. But God has so much more than daily bread in store for us. He has so much more. He wants to take the five loaves and two fish and multiply it and feed multitudes if you'd surrender your little lunch to him you thought you got blessed because you had the five loaves and two fish and you ate them and were full but there's a multitude of five thousand that starved to death and you didn't know anything about it because you were dwelling in the land of provision and you left the land of blessing follow me here 
Any provision that does not come through the promise is temporary in nature. See, the thing about provision is that it's designed to be temporary. It's designed to get you by for now. And that's what Egypt was always supposed to be about in scripture is getting you by for now. Abram went down to Egypt and all he had in mind was, I got to make it through this famine, then I'm going back to the blessing. Even when Jesus was a baby, the angel told Joseph and Mary to take him down to Egypt and just wait for Herod to die and then go back to the land of blessing. It was, and even Joseph, God sent him there to get them through the seven years of famine but when the seven years of famine ended they should have picked up and said we're going back to the land of blessing but instead they said forget the blessing we got provision and this provision tastes so good and it's enough so we're going to hang out here in the land of provision and within four generations the land of provision became the land of slavery you can get enslaved to provision provision is like welfare It's supposed to get you by for a season. See, I don't knock nobody for going on welfare. When I was a baby, my parents went through a rough patch. And for like three months, they went on welfare and got them some food stamps. But in three months, they were off of welfare and back on their their own two feet. See, the thing you got to understand about the blessing is that the blessing of the Lord will always call you out of your father's house. The place where you are provided for. The place where you are taken care of. The blessing will always require you to leave the brook that feeds you. Remember the prophet Elijah sitting at the brook Cherith and he's drinking from the book brook and the ravens are bringing him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening and it sounds like blessing and God said no it's temporary it's not blessing it's provision now I'm going to send you to the land of blessing go to Zarephath I've commanded a widow to provide for you there and it wasn't till the prophet got to provide for himself and one other person at least one other person has to get something before you can call it blessing. Blessing is not sitting by a brook that feeds you every day. Blessing is standing on your own two feet in the midst of a famine and seeing the hand of God move, not only to satisfy your needs, but to satisfy the needs of others. The blessing will require you to journey to a place where you have no recourse but to trust God, to stand on your own two feet and survive. And not just survive, but thrive. So often when we're praying for blessing, we're praying for somebody to do something for us for free. We're praying for blessing for somebody to give me some money. We're praying for blessing for somebody to give me a job. We're praying for blessing. Some of you ladies are praying for a husband to fall out of the sky and hit you in the head. You want a boyfriend? And so Abraham went to Egypt, but God made sure it was temporary. Some of you, your brooks are drying up. Egypt is kicking you out. You've lost your provision and you think God left you. Let me tell you something. The moment God allows your provision to dry up, it's because he's beginning to release the blessing. Abraham messed up so badly in Egypt that he had to tuck tail and run back to the promised land almost as quickly as he arrived in Egypt. He didn't even get to eat there. He messed up and lied and said, Sarah's my sister. And before he knew it, he had to get out of there and he ran back to the, the land of blessing before the, promise, the, before the famine was over. And it said he built an altar and began to call on the name of the Lord. I could see Abram just building that altar when he got back, calling on the name of the Lord, saying, God, what was I doing? You told me to stay here. 
You told me to live in this land. You told me to forsake my father's house. You told me to stop following provision, but to wait in the land of blessing. God, I'll never leave again. God will not allow you to be sustained by foreign provision when he has prepared a great bounty for you in the promised land. And so Abram came running back. He learned very quickly that as long as he dwelt in the land, he dwelt in the blessing. But the moment he left the land, the blessing would not follow him. But follow me. By the fourth generation, Abraham's descendants were driven out of the land by famine. Joseph became the prince of Egypt. And once again, the people of God had to go back to Egypt. And this time it was God's command. This time it was God's provision. And they go to Egypt and they're provided for in Egypt. And they're sustained by the land. But once again, they dwelt too long in the land of temporary provision. And suddenly, hundreds of years went by. And they were enslaved to provision. For some of you, your job is a provision that enslaves you. You're more interested in job security than in you, you are in divine opportunity. And you're going to watch in 2014 that God is going to begin to open doors of destiny for you that are going to begin to take you beyond your comfort zone, take you beyond yeah. your provision, yeah. take you beyond your security. Wow. That's good. Yeah. The exodus of Moses was about going back to, ble to the blessing. It wasn't just about getting out of Egypt. It was about getting back to the blessing. Pharaoh's army was in the way of the blessing, and so his army had to be vanquished. The Red Sea was in the way of the blessing, and so the Red Sea had to be parted. The desert was in the way of the blessing, and so the desert had to be crossed. The Canaanites were in the way of the blessing, and so the Canaanites had to be overcome. The whole drama of the exodus and the 40 years wandering and the conquest was simply about one thing, getting back to the blessing. It wasn't about fighting Egypt. It was about getting back to the blessing. It wasn't about crossing seas and deserts. It was about getting back to the blessing and the people of Egypt, the people of Israel, Israel were on their journey back to the land of promise, back to the land that God swore to give to their father Abraham. They realized that they could not receive the blessing of the Lord in the land of their slavery. They had to get free. And the word of the Lord to you is that in 2014, you got to get free. Come on, somebody. Every place of slavery in your life is a hindrance to the blessing. You got to break free from the chains that oppress you and make your pilgrimage back to the land of a blessing. Back to the blessing. But there's one caveat. <clears throat> one caveat we got to make mention of. First of all, the people of Israel were just like Abraham. When I say that we're a people of pilgrimage, a pilgrim is an individual that is making a journey to a holy land. <clears throat> when Muslims go to Mecca, they're making their pilgrimage. When Jews go to Jerusalem, they're making their pilgrimage. When Church of God and Christ folks go to Memphis, they're making their pilgrimage. <laughs> but there's a difference between a pilgrim and an immigrant. A pilgrim returns to a holy land that belongs to him. Or her. 
but an immigrant is transplanted into a foreign land. Abraham was both a pilgrim and, and an immigrant. He was a pilgrim because he was journeying to a holy land, but he was an immigrant because he had never been there before. He was a pilgrim because he was journeying to a land that God had commanded him to go to, that God had promised him, but he was an immigrant because he was a complete foreigner and a stranger in that land. And the Israelites that left Egypt were in the same condition. They had heard stories of the land that God swore to give their fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they were on pilgrimage to return to that land of promise. But they were also immigrants because they had never been there before. And when they got there, they were strangers and aliens there. Remember the ten, the ten spies said, this land swallows up its inhabitants. The land is so great and so large and so hard to manage, it swallows up its inhabitants. Some of you, if when you enter into the place of blessing, God's going to give you a place of favor that's so large that you're afraid you're going to get swallowed up there. Some of you, God promotes you into a place of blessing and you feel like, I'm not qualified to be here. I'm not strong enough to be here. I'm not smart enough. I'm not wise enough. It's because you feel like an immigrant in a land that is rightfully yours. You feel like a stranger there when you're actually a citizen there. They knew the promised land existed. They knew that it belonged to them by promise, but they had no idea whether or not they would ever see it with their own eyes. You see, it's possible to live your entire life alienated from the things that rightly belong to you. And like the Israelites, many of us are immigrants when it comes to God's blessings because we've never been there before. Citizens of heaven, but foreigners of blessing. And this year we're going to get out of Egypt. And we're going to become a people of pilgrimage. This year we're going to introduce you to blessings that you didn't even know were yours. See, kind of like when I went to Arkansas for the first time when I was 13 years old. And I met some cousins that I didn't even know I had. Matter of fact, I discovered that I am related to every African American in the state of Arkansas. (laughs) At least in the city of Little Rock. I couldn't believe it. Everybody was my cousin. I was like, are you for real? Every, I went to play basketball. 40 people on the court. They're like, who are you? we never seen you before. My name's Benjamin. Benjamin? Where are you from? I'm from California. Oh, we got a California boy on the court. California. Well, who are you here to see? My Aunt Ethel. Ethel's your aunt? She's my aunt, too. Hey, stomachache, T-bone, exit wound. This is our cousin. <laughs> These were my people, but I was an alien there. These were my folks, but I was a stranger there. I didn't talk like other people. They were making fun of the way I talk. (laughs) Now, there's three manifestations of the blessing that we're going to focus on this year. Just three. Three manifestations of the blessing. When we say back to the blessing, we're talking about something very specific this year. Because we're in the middle of a process that we call one things. Now, one things did not end at the end of 2013. Actually, we got two years to go. Two more years of one things. One things has eight specific areas that we're hitting. And we've already hit two of those areas. We hit our spiritual one thing. And we hit our physical one thing. January, February, March of 2014, we're going to focus on the financial one thing. And what we're talking about is financial blessing. 
The blessing of God manifests in the realm of your finances. And so we're going to focus on that in January, February, and March. In the month of April, we're going to have a, a powerful Easter service and have a blast for Easter. Our small groups are going to rest in the month of April. Then in the month of May, months of May, June, and July, we're going to hit the blessing of the family. The family one thing. We're going to talk about how God wants to bless your family. In May, June, and July. Then the month of August, we're going to take a little one-month summer break. Maybe have a barbecue out in the park or something. Dunk some folks, baptize some folks out in the ocean and have a great time. In August, let the small groups rest. And then September, October, November, we're going to talk about the blessing of God upon your friendships. That is fellowship blessing. The fellowship one thing. And we're going to talk about how God can bless your experience of fellowship and friendship in the body of Christ. And then in the month of December, of course, we're going to have a great Easter celebration. I mean, a Christmas celebration. <laughs> Christmas celebration. We're going to end the, the fellowship one thing in, at the end of November with Thanksgiving. Giving thanks to God and then go right into the Christmas season. Let the small groups rest in December so we can get ready, ready for Christmas. And we're going to have the most awesome Christmas extravaganza next year that you have ever seen at Living Hope Christian Center. And the most, I mean, we're going to have a wonderful time. I'm, I'm looking forward to what we're doing next year. But when we talk about financial blessing, for many of you, it's a land that you long for, but you're afraid you'll never see with your eyes. Many of you don't even understand what financial blessing is because you've never been beyond the shores of provision. And matter of fact, you feel like you're swimming toward an island called provision, but you haven't made it there yet. But God wants to take you so much further than provision. He wants to take you into the land of abundance that he calls blessing. Some of you, your families are so broken down that you're afraid you'll never live in the land of familial blessing. And some of you have so much drama in your friendships that blessing and friendship don't even belong in the same sentence for you. And so we're going to facilitate both a process of immigration and of pilgrimage. It's a pilgrimage because the land belongs to you. But for some of us, it's also an immigration because we've never been there before. We'll get your passports ready because we're crossing the border. Come on, somebody. And this is a border that we're not going to have to sneak across because the the people at the border can't stop us from coming in because our passports have already been stamped with the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you that all God has to do is shift your mentality and everything changes. Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 1 to the pilgrims of the dispersion. And the dispersion, the word in the Greek is diaspora. And the word diaspora has to do with the scattering abroad. It happened first in, in when the children of Israel were scattered from the land of promise and went into Egypt. It happened again in 722 B.C. when the Assyrians came in and scattered them. It happened again in 586 B.C. when the Babylonians came in and scattered them. And it happened again in 365 B.C. when Alexander came in and brought about the diaspora. Alexander the Great, when he would conquer your people, he would take 60% of the brightest and best and scatter them all across his kingdom. That way you could never rise up. And what the enemy tries to do is he tries to scatter the brightest and best of the people of God so that we can't come together and rise up because the enemy knows that if we come together and rise up, there is nothing that he can do to stop us from becoming all that God has given us to be. And so Peter writes to the pilgrims of the dispersion. He calls them to dispersion because they've been dispersed, but he calls them pilgrims because they're on their way back home. 
And matter of fact, the Israelites that had been dispersed in the diaspora, they returned to Jerusalem three times a year for the feast. They said, I'm living in a foreign land and I can't change that. But three times a year, I'm making my pilgrimage and I'm coming back to the land of promise and I'm going to celebrate the feast. And all the feast was, was a way of remembering. I know that circumstantially I'm scattered abroad, but in my heart, I'm living in the land of promise. My heart has never left the promise. This land rightly belongs to me because I am a son of Abraham. In Psalm chapter 84, verse 5, the psalmist says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. They will go from strength to strength until each one appears before God in Zion. I'm telling you, I don't care what the enemy has done to disperse your financial blessing. What the enemy has done to disperse your family. What the enemy has done to disperse your friendships. I'm telling you that if your heart is set on pilgrimage, you will go from strength to strength until you appear before God in Zion. I'm telling you that God has a place reserved for you in his presence that no matter how far the enemy has scattered you... God said it to his people. He said, even if you have been scattered to the furthest part of the earth, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then will I hear them from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. And I'm saying that God is bringing you back to the blessing this year. He's taking us back to the blessing this year. We are a people of pilgrimage and we're going back to the blessing. And I'm asking you to not tonight to set your heart on pilgrimage. Set your heart on pilgrimage and say, I'm going back to the blessing. I I know it seems like I can never attain it, but I'm going back to the blessing. I know it feels like I've lived under a mountain of debt, but I'm going back to the blessing. I know it feels like the devil has destroyed my family, but I'm going back to the blessing. I know I feel like I've messed up in a thousand ways, but I'm going back to the blessing. I know it feels like there's so much drama in my relationship. Sometimes I wish folks would save the drama for their mama, but I'm going back to the blessing. Come on, somebody. We're going back to the blessing this year. Are you going back to the blessing? Set your heart on pilgrimage. I want you to stand up right now and I want you to lift up your hands to the Lord and I want you to make a declaration tonight in your heart. I'm going back to the blessing. Family, finances, friendships. Finances, family, friendships, finances. God, I'm going back to the blessing. And I I don't care if you've never been there before. You're going back. Why? Because you were predestined before the foundation of the world to live in that land of blessing. God gave it to you when he gave it to Abraham. He swore to him with an oath and it belongs to you. It belongs to you. The land of blessing. The land of blessing. The land of blessing. Let me tell you something. I love... That worship song that we sang in the midst of worship that said, Jesus, be the center of it all. You know, it's so easy to see Jesus as the center of the good places in my life. I can see him as the center of some financial breakthrough that's happened. I can see him as the center of some good thing that's happened in my life. But to see him as the center of my pain. You know, we had a sister testify that she went through 2012 was the worst year of her life. It was the most pain she had ever experienced, but 2013 was a year of great resurrection. But you know what? Some of you, 2013 was that year of death for you. Some of you went through stuff in 2013 that broke down your heart, that caused you to cry out to God. For some of you, you're you're here saying 2013, some of you needed to hear that testimony. Because you're writing on your Facebook wall tonight, I died in 2013, but in 2014, the power of the resurrection is coming alive in me. I lost some stuff in 2013, but in 2014, I'm getting my stuff back. 
In 2014, I'm going to go into the enemy's camp and take back what he took from me. And not only what he took from me, but what he took from my family, what he took from my church, what he took from my friends, what he took from my community. Why? I'm going beyond provision. Some of you are crying out in your heart, God, I need another $1,000 a month just to make it. God is not interested in you just making it. I need $1,000 a month to make it. God wants you to set your heights higher. What do you need to be a blessing? What do you need to be a blessing? Begin to lay claim to the blessing in your heart and make a decision. I'm coming back to the blessing. Back to the blessing. And this is what I want to do just real quick, real quick. Some of you are here, just a few of you maybe. You said 2013 was the year of death for me. But I need 2014 to be the year of life from the dead. If that's you, I just want you to come stand at the altar right here. Just make a declaration. Just walk all over that power of the enemy. Remember the power of this altar. The enemy is under your feet right here at this altar. The enemy has been defeated. Death could not keep you down. I'm telling you there's victory at this altar tonight. Every power of hell has been defeated at this altar tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everyone just lift your hands and begin to declare it. Life from the dead in 2014. Back to the blessing. Stretch out your hand towards those at this altar and just begin to pray. No hands need to be laid on you. It's about what's happening in the heart. It's about what's happening in the spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I declare blessing in 2014. God, restore, restore, restore the years that the locusts have eaten. Restore, 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 restore. What took 10 years to destroy, God says, I'll restore it in a year. What took a year to destroy, God said, I'll restore it in a day. I'll restore it in a day. I'll restore it. I'll restore it. The word of the Lord for 2014 is fast. God said accelerated blessing. The old way took too long, but God said, now I'm going to do it quickly. I'm going to move exponentially. God says, I'm moving quickly. I'm restoring in a minute what fell apart over a year. What took years for the enemy to destroy. God said, I'm restoring it in days. I'm restoring it in a moment. Abraham at this altar. He began to call on the name of the Lord. He came back to the land of blessing. He came back to the land of blessing. Everything fell apart in Egypt, but he came back to the land of blessing and began to call on the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Yeah, 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 yeah.
God says, I will vindicate you in 2014. I will vindicate you, says the Lord, and I will restore your name. I see the Lord lifting you up on a pedestal, lifting you to a high place, placing glory on your head, removing the ashes and replacing it with beauty, removing the weakness and replacing it with strength. The Lord says, I have glorified you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Just receive, just receive. Be like Abraham at that altar. Everything fell apart in Egypt, but he ran back to the promised land. He built an altar. I want you to build an altar right here in your heart and begin to call on the name of the Lord. He began to call on the name of the Lord. He began to call on the name of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we call on your name. We call on your name. We call on your name. We got three minutes and five seconds to go. I want you to push. I want you to push. Some of you are being born. Some of you are in the birth canal. You're in the birth canal. I want you to push two minutes and 55 seconds. Two minutes. You're being born into the new year. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. He crowns the year with his goodness. Psalm 68.10 says, You crown the year with your goodness, and your paths drip with abundance. God is crowning this year. This last two minutes of 2013, God says, I have crowned the year with my goodness. I have crowned the year with my goodness. And whatever has gone wrong in 2013, God says, I clean the slate. I wipe the slate clean. I wipe the slate clean. And I crown the year with my goodness. And my past, they drip with abundance. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now just begin to worship. Come on, two minutes of worship. Two minutes of worship. Yeah. One minute and 50 seconds. Come on. It's another level. It's another level. It's another level. It's a new season. over you for 2014 and I speak the word of the Lord I say remember not the former things neither consider the things of old behold I do a new thing says the Lord now it will spring forth shall you not know it 
I will send streams in the desert, rivers in the wilderness to give drink to my people, my chosen. This people I have formed for myself. They will declare my praise. And I say that God has wiped the slate clean. He has called old things to be passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. We give him all the glory. 